Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech Africa series. I'm Rudy Fala, the founder of Voice of Fintech podcast. In this series, you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, investors, incumbents, and ecosystem hub leaders from Africa. And this episode is hosted by Adi Joki. Hi, everyone. This is the Voice of Fintech Africa series. I am Adi Jokhevi Kunli, and you're welcome to another exciting episode. We meet today is Shola Oyemi, the CEO of InfiBranches, a company founded in 2019 to solve an important problem in Africa. InfiBranches is tackling the lack of financial access for underserved businesses, individuals, and communities. InfiBranches also provides access to basic utilities like electricity, water, insurance, and other essential services such as mobile and internet. On this episode, Shola and I discuss what it takes to solve Africa's last mile problems and how enabling access to finance enables access to everything else in Africa. Thank you for joining me, Shola. I have been looking forward to our conversation and I am glad we're finally here. Thank you for having me. Are you okay? So the pleasure is all mine. I'm also looking forward to this. I'm excited about uh, what we're discussing about. Great. So let me start by asking this. For the benefit of our listeners, can you give me a bit of background on what InfiBranches does and the origin story of this company? Okay, thanks for the question. It's it's actually a product and technology company. And we use uh, this to actually solve the problem of distribution and access across uh, the last, across the the consumer economy. in terms of taking solutions from the service providers who are in any location across the country, across the country, across the world, or to the last mile consumer who might be in a new location that doesn't have access to all the services they are offering uh, due to its location or probably uh, a distribution or weakness on the part of the service provider. And just to give you a little uh, background about uh, the origin of, of the company, so we started by providing support and deployment slash development activities for enterprise platforms on mobile money across Africa. So we were able to work with about 17 countries deploying uh, mobile money along with the telcos, the likes of MTN, Vodafone, Tigo. And so we took all these years of experience uh, with us to actually build a platform that solves the problem uh, and fills the gap of distribution and payment collection across this entire valuation. Interesting. You clearly see an opportunity, and that brings me to, to this question, which is, it's not clear why underserved communities have remained underserved or unserved for the longest time. The common assumption people have is these communities have, people within these communities have low spending power or low economic activities. And it makes it very unattractive to build a business around consumers in this community. So I'm curious, right? InfiBranches seems to have a different view on that. And I'd love for you to expand on your thesis about why you're focused on these um, communities. So what is it we aren't seeing on the outside? It's, 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 it's actually a very, very unique problem that we're trying to solve here. So one of the very distinctive uh, challenges of the people at the uh, base of the pyramid uh, is the logistics in terms of on, on the, on, in, from the service provider's leg in terms of how, how can they reach these local uh, 
low-income customers. Or so, for instance, when the product is a solar home system or a health clinic or a banking services, the fact that they cannot be everywhere and the cost of transporting or distributing these their products across all of these uh, locations, uh, they try to eliminate that cost so that it doesn't impact on their overall margin. And in addition to that, since most people believe that these low-income people don't have capacity to pay, so then why waste their time talking to them or why waste their time or trying to, to sell their services to them? But from my hand, so we are seeing it from a different light. So one of the key things for us is to, to just run into some figures. As of today in Nigeria, over 95% of the land mass uh, is actually make up of rural areas, and this contributes to less than 20% of the society GDP. And in terms of the population, over 66% of uh, the entire adult population come from these uh, rural areas. So it simply means we are excluding of the adult population who actually have the buying power to pay for services from the uh, entire payment system or whatever service the, the service provider is, is providing. And so for us, we saw this as a, as a very huge opportunity in terms of why don't we bring these people on board, get them included into uh, the financial services, get them included or give them energy access and see what they can do in terms of revenue. And we believe from historical data and things we've done in the last two years, uh, we've seen a jump in their revenue and they're also contributing hugely uh, to the macroeconomic uh, value of the country at large. Interesting. And, and that's really impressive what you guys are doing. However, I wonder if these businesses, the service providers that you work with, I wonder why up till this point, up to the point you guys started working with them, it didn't make an economic sense. You've talked about the population um, that we're looking at and being like 66% of the adult population that we that have basically been excluded for, from financial services and access to things like energy. So that should look like an opportunity to any business. But I wonder what these what service providers up until this point considered in deciding against trying to navigate the hurdles around engaging or providing services to these underserved communities. So have you at any point try to figure out why these guys aren't doing it or it's just the assumption that this is not priority for them or it's just too tough a business to explore too tough like a challenge for them to take on and that's what makes infi branches relevant okay so i think there are a few misconceptions around that so talking about or what they believe and what the reality is the opinion that rural equates to poor it's, it's no longer sound. It doesn't make sense again. And that's one of the general assumptions for most people. And they always feel, so let me focus on the little people that can actually get me right, the value or the key point that I'm looking at. But if you look at it in the long term, these people in these rural areas are the ones that they have they ha to, from our research, because from, 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 from a data point of view, we do a lot of, rap of market research before we actually venture into any of these activities. And what we've realized is, most of these people in these rural areas, they have the will and the capacity to pay for these services. So uh, the major problem for them is these services are not even available to them in the first place. So they are not giving the benefit to even try what they deserve. And one of the key things we've identified or reasons why most companies don't want to go that route is uh, the cost of logistics. 
So, uh, for instance, a typical bank uh, look at the cost of setting up physical buildings across probably all the different governments uh, across the, across the country, Africa as well. And by the time you look at the cost of setting up these buildings, the cost of running those buildings, cost of doing all of these things, it becomes it becomes something to the market size of this population. How does it fit into my overall? Uh, plan. So because by the time you look at it, won't I be running at a loss, providing all of this, keeping the system running because the market might not be very, uh, the value that I get, the return I get might not uh, be, might not equate to the investment I'm making basically. So well, the gap we are now feeling is we don't need you to set up all of these services. So what we've done at the branches is we basically aggregate all these different service providers. So through our own agent network, we can perform these services on your behalf as if you're still the same person performing these services in those areas. And you don't have to worry about the cost of setting up physical buildings. So we take away that headache. And the interesting thing for us is uh, we've made the system so seamless that uh, those with a mobile hub or with the USSD, you're able to perform most of the services and render them to, uh, to the final con uh, customer. So for all, it, it, it makes the whole uh, conversation more interesting when we start looking at uh, uh, them saying that these people are actually poor. They are not poor. So it, it, the only twist to it right now is they might not have the capacity to pay at once, so, but they are willing to probably pay over a period of time. So, because I'll give you a solar case for as an example, uh, the, the cost of purchasing a, a typical solar uh, home system might go as I have said, 300,000, that's about uh, uh, close to $1,000. And these people, if you look at their total per capita income, may not be able to actually afford that at once. Or uh, what? Or uh, with, with what we've actually put in place, so they, they can actually now pay over a period of time. And you still get your return plus interest because they are not, pay, they are not paying the, the face uh, over a period of time. Interesting. And there's something you mentioned that caught, caught my interest, right? You talked about some of the misconceptions or misperceptions about people in the rural communities, that they're not poor. I'm interested to know about some of the other misperceptions people have, right? You also mentioned that people can access some of these your services by using the mobile app. And I know that there's a widely held belief that people in the rural communities have low literacy levels. So I'd love for you to speak more on some of the other behaviors that you've seen that counter what people generally perceive the rural people who live in rural communities to be. Okay, all right, yeah. So I'll just take you from what I said before. So yeah, the poverty level, that the, assume, the assumed poverty level in most cases are naturally. So we've seen people, so when I talk about their will, uh, to pay for services so they might not have the the cash at hand to actually give for the, the services well in most cases we have this report they are farmers they have other produce other things that they do we have fishermen we have a whole lot of different activities that they actually perform that generates revenue for them so but the fact that they they can't transfer they can't transfer this uh wealth they have to the cash or our own uh, means of ten train ten a uh, tender or uh, becomes makes it difficult for people to actually assess and say this is the worth of these people and this is what they can afford because if you also look at most of these people in this area in this region they are also on bank so you don't have a credit history you don't have 
and justify the fact that they can actually uh, pay for these services or actually afford uh, those services. And all of these things come together to actually form that misconception that they are generally poor. And when we don't have this kind of data in place to actually prove this, then it becomes a problem for people that want to offer services to actually consider them at all. What we've done is to actually try to evaluate all of these things and see. So, for instance, a, uh, a typical uh, farmer has a lot of uh, products to sell. They don't know how to convert this. And we also look at it from a different perspective. They also get to lose most of their products as well and preserve them. They don't have access to financial services to actually probably get a loan to expand the business or build a structure around it. And all of this impacts on their general wealth assessment. So what, uh, with, with our little experience at Infi branches, one of the very key things, one of our key focus of vertical is the renewable energy space. And we've actually learned a lot in the last uh, few years about how we can transform some of these things and make these people uh, more marketable, more attractive to service providers. And one of the things we've done is create access. That's basically the word. Access to all of these key things that can help us translate uh, their weight into what people want to offer services to them can actually use. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. A typical uh, tomato seller with, with uh, at the end of the year or at the end of the day loses more than 60% of, of their harvest because you don't have a good way to preserve it. And so same applies to the fisherman as well. What we have to be, we have solar powering uh, refrigerators. We have a solar powering the, the communities where they can actually preserve some of these products and get them to revenue. And also drive all their buying power as well. And I think that's the angle uh, we should all be looking at it from so that we can actually get this more included into the financial sector. So what you're saying is beyond financial inclusion, you're also helping these people create wealth, right? Uh, by Absolutely. helping them untrap basically all forms of value. Yeah, so I, I don't imagine that this is hassle-free for you guys, right? I imagine that to have to do this, you are navigating God knows what. There's the logistics bits, which is a big problem in itself. There's the... Yes low awareness level i think there as well where you need to sensitize people on the importance of what it is you're doing within these communities there's the i, I don't yes. know if you have regulatory issues as well but i'd like for you to talk about some of the critical challenges that you're experiencing in running a company like Infi branches okay yeah thanks all right so in running uh, a, a company like infi branches i think you've touched on some of the points so so the awareness level for our target target market is very low so most of these people don't even understand what financial uh, services mean they don't even, they don't have that financial literacy so they don't even understand how, how this works and so one of the first things to do is to create a training or slash awareness uh, avenue for them what we've been able to do is partner with key stakeholders across different sectors. So working with uh, an REA for the renewable energy space, IFC, that's international uh, finance financial yeah. Yes. So and all of these people will work with all of them to actually see how we can drive this market awareness. Uh, late last year before early last year slash this twenty nineteen before the uh, COVID nineteen uh, peaked in Nigeria. 
we actually need to do some market storm, market awareness in some of these key rural areas, about 17 states in, across the country. And uh, the, 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 the return we got within that period was very massive because we were able to see a lot of uh, interest, a lot of people trying to create. The wow moment was very, very uh, interesting for us. I said, also, I could do this, so I could do this. So these are the benefits. And it's, it speaks a lot to how, why they actually excluded, because there's no uh, awareness for them. And so around, so around that thing is the cost of logistics, which most of these service providers are not willing to take. And the fact that they can't, so the distribution channels are missing basically because there's no logistics, there's no distribution channel. So definitely they just leave these people unserved because of those costs they don't want to incur. And yeah, level of KYC requirement that needs to be done before you can get these people onboarded. Uh, there's a level of uh, literacy level that you need for people to be able to actually perform some of the services on their own uh, because they can't always come to the bank or come to all these people at every point in time. So all of these things uh, come together as different challenges. And uh, the key thing for us is uh, also need to build trust with the customers because if we cannot build trust with the customers, there's no way they can trust you with their value or with their money or believe that you can actually provide the service you're claiming you want to, uh, to provide. And if the reality of it is for this kind of segment you're targeting, this people, they cannot afford to make poor choices with their limited income. So they must always get it right at every point in time when they're trying to uh, take a decision around the service they're paying for. And then this is why it's also key for us to drive uh, the business value for them. That so they can see the unique value we're actually proposing before they commit into uh, adopting a service or paying for a, a financial service. Interesting. You've alluded to some of it, but I'd like to know what you consider as some of the most important success factors in servicing consumers in last mile communities. Okay, talking about success factors, I think first and first, you have to make sure your product is right for your customer. So the product fit has to be there. Uh, so, like I said, we've learned a lot in the two years of since incorporation, and their, their products we've taken to a particular market and realized that the thing we took them there was the thing we had to retrieve them back to our offices because they, this, this is not what they need. Mm. If, if, if you too, you don't have that kind of work or make those kind of mistakes, always ensure the products of sitting out there is very right for the customer. So that product fit is very key. So for you to drive uh, success around uh, whatever you're putting out there, then that's, I'm out on distribution, distribution, distribution. Mm -hmm. It's very key to anything that needs to be done because if you, if you don't have the right channels to actually get these products across to the people that need them, then uh, you're not ready for business. And that's one of the things that we've been able to focus our energy on and get right. So make logistics more efficient. And for the agents that actually perform the service on our behalf, we see them as part of our sales okay. team, as part of our team, basically. So we call them partners. Okay. And what one of the key things they do for us is they help us drive uh, the sales. So they sell this product as if they belong to whoever company they are performing the service on for. So if I'm paying for a DSTV, the same kind of level of customer service that you receive from a, a DSTV staff mm -hmm. is what we expect from them as well. So I think those are some of the things we've been able to do. And as far, in addition to that, uh, market awareness is uh, energy awareness, 
try to get these people to understand the benefits of coming into the system and enjoying what they've been missing for over the years. Then uh, a, a key strategy for us is partnership. Uh, I, we have, uh, today we have over 100 service providers on our platform. We have partnered with more than 17 banks, yeah. uh, working with likes of REA, that's the Renewable Energy Association, mm-hmm. Rural Education Agency, rather. So we're also part of the REA, that's the Renewable Energy Association of Nigeria. Okay. Then we, we are working with uh, NOMAP. So, so we are working with a couple of key players in all the different sectors. So we identify the key stakeholders and we're talking to each of them so that we can actually ensure that we're driving the right uh, information and the right value across to those people that needs to be there. And for us, we're a technology company. So but the tweak to it is we have to use the technology wisely. Mm. So we're not just putting all of these things in the faces of people that don't even understand what technology is mm. or how to use it. And uh, yeah, to make agents happy, so the profit story has to be very unique and interesting for them before they can even take up the service on behalf of a service provider. So as part, even though we are giving them the technology and the platform to provide the service to to people in the last mm-hmm. mile, we also need to ensure that they are making money and they are getting the right. So we negotiate on their behalf and we also ensure that whatever we're negotiating is coming from them because we are just like interfacing on their behalf with the service provider and they are interfacing with their own graph of service provider with the customers. So it's a win-win for both parties, and we always have to make uh, the right decisions for that. And I think uh, the last thing is going to be the metrics. That's talking about numbers. So always count the right numbers to ensure that uh, you're getting the right value in terms of uh, the return on investment, uh, the right value in terms of impact, the right value in terms of uh, the happiness you're giving to people who have actually lost their dreams, basically, because So just to recap, I will take it from the end. First is to make sure that you're tracking the right numbers. Secondly is to give the right reward for work done. That's by negotiating on behalf of your agent partners. Third is the right technology or using technology wisely, right? Making sure that the people you are applying this technology for understand to some degree, how it works. Partnerships is also very critical for the different service providers that you work with, and even talking to key stakeholders within each sector that you're focused on, you make sure to find the right partners. And then you also mentioned market awareness, right? Helping people understand the value that you're bringing to these different communities. You also mentioned a bit about product feeds in that, of course, (laughs) you have to give people what they want anyways. And then the big one, which is, distribution. You have to get it right if you want to scale up to, you know, as many communities as possible. Those are very great points. And I think this is a good opportunity to segue into the conversation about Omni Branches, right? Omni Branches is your flagship product at Infi Branches. I'd like for you to talk about what Omni Branches does or what value Omni Branches offers. Okay, thank you. So Omni Branches is a product itself that actually drives all these transactions. So Omni Branches is, is an agent management platform okay. where we actually aggregate uh, all the different service providers. On, on Omni Branches, we aggregate all the different agents. Okay. On Omni Branches as well, we also try to uh, give visibility and transparency to everybody that's the key, student, key actor. Or on that platform. Mm-hmm. So basically, Omnibranches drives the entire transaction from 
or the agent's point of view to the service provider and back to the customer getting value. And uh, what we've been able to do with Omni branches is, so today we have uh, a mobile platform okay. uh, which all our agents use to actually perform all the activities. And the beauty of it is they see all their transactions real time. So it's, uh, they are initiating it via USSD. So with that single view, they can actually see all their transactions that is happening real time. And interestingly, they also get instant value in terms of commissions, reconciliation, settlement. All of these are already taken care of seamlessly end to end. We've tried as much as possible to remove uh, all the human interventions across that value chain, so that uh, you can run yeah the entire system or uh, end to end without having to call someone or call the service provider to grab a credit or activate an account. Or if you do a DSTV today, as a put clicking on send, once you get a success or response, or the instantly the person gets the value. For Inigo Energy, or the group we have partnered with, if you pay for a solar device, probably uh, we do. Uh, so for, for the solar device bit, so there are two sides to it. So there's the people that wants to pay outright, mm -hmm. that means they want to buy the entire product, the other capacity. Mm -hmm. And we also have people that want to pay or like in this to own a model that's what we call a pay go model so they pay as you go mm -hmm. so that they can cover that total cost right period of time so for every month or every day they pay they get value for just that period so if they don't continue with the payments mm -hmm. uh, that means uh, they don't get to sell that value so and that's a key problem we'll be able to solve for those in the renewable energy space so where the typical customer buys the product, pays for the first month because there's no way to make the subsequent payment. He abandons the entire system. Mm -hmm. So for them, they lose money because they have to probably, after 60 days or three months, they have to go and retrieve. At the point where they are going to retrieve, the customer is telling them, I'm willing to pay, but I didn't have a channel to make payments. Mm -hmm. Then they lose three months of revenue. So, but now we fill that gap. So all the, all the customer just needs to do is walk up to a typical branches agent mm -hmm. or pay that value. And we just communicate via our existing technology with the service provider and activate that device instantly. Nice. So the customer just keeps enjoying the benefits continuously without any disruption. And uh, over the short period of time, so Omnibranches has been able to process over 5 million transactions mm. and we've processed over 50 billion error in. in value like i mentioned earlier we have over 100 service providers okay. as of today we are connected to about 21 of the key solar home providers and mini grids in nigeria and some of these people also have presence outside of uh, africa as of well, nigeria as well and uh, one interesting thing we've done with company branches is now we've had, we've added a layer to it whereby we call it a single point of integration and what that does for us is you are not just limited to what we can offer through our agents. Mm -hmm. We are able to extend our services to other payment channels or payment providers or even also called computers in the financial services space. So, for instance, we, we, we are the only ones that uh, currently have the allegation of all the uh, as of today. And through our agents, we don't want to just sell it through our agents alone. We want to be able to sell it through any channel. So we created a single uh, point of integration whereby all the different uh, that we give to them and they're able to perform the service on behalf of the same service for all the 21 service providers. And the icing on the cake is now the service providers don't need to run 
different uh, probably integrations with each of the different payment providers that you have across the country mm -hmm. who's taking care of that headache. Mm -hmm. They don't need to sign different agreements with each of them, which can take years. Mm -hmm. And for every new uh, integration we do, either on the part of the service provider or on the part of the payment channel, both parties get access to each other. So that means there's always growth across uh, your opportunity. So 100 million customers uh, across Nigeria that needs to see this. Yeah. This is, uh, all of this is uh, very impressive. I, I can't, you know, imagine the impact that you guys have realized in providing energy access to these communities. I'd like for you to unpack the intersection between a fintech company or between fintech generally and energy access from an Africa perspective? Okay, so I, I, I would like to take that from the CBN code. So CBN, I think that was early last year, early 2020, they, 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 they released a publication and they stated that the pathways to energy access or financial inclusion and poverty reduction are closely linked. Mm -hmm. And they, it requires a proper payment channel to actually address this. So, so just, to, just to give more context to that, the audience that you're targeting, you're providing a financial service or financial inclusion service is the same set of people that don't have access to power. It, a typical Africa, let me use Africa for as a case study. So across Africa, you have about 800 million people that do not have access to financial services. And about 600 million people that do not have access to electricity as well. Mm -hmm. And two out of three people in Sub-Saharan Africa are excluded from both electricity and financial services. So there's a huge overlap in this customer segment. So if you're able to actually uh, solve a problem that that uh, with financial access, then you can't do that in isolation without also giving these people access to energy because both of them or go together as one. And I think, like I mentioned, for you to reduce poverty as well, you need to provide these two, the financial assets and energy assets. So all of these are closely related. So the, that, that intersection is very obvious for us to see in free branches. And also, for instance, if you have a customer that wants to make a, a, a payment for, let's say, a cable subscription, but does not have access to the can you do that customer because the person doesn't have energy assets. Mm. So they won't pay for your service. So, and they won't get value and you lose out on that particular customer. Same thing applies to uh, a customer that wants to probably get a loan and reach more customers with what they are, they are doing. But it becomes pointless if uh, this same barber doesn't have access to power that you used to actually power, let's say, the clipper for the service. So, it's, it becomes a problem. So, they don't need that loan because there's no way they can even utilize or expand their business with that loan because they don't have access to power. And so another way to also look at this is uh, where you're probably due to the to the high costs. Okay, so all of this comes together to actually. Uh, uh, so I like the point I'm trying to make around that intersection. It's very key for you to actually solve all of this problem uh, together. So at, at Ifin branches, we are filling this gap by always ensuring that we are able to initiate uh, payment recollection for the energy providers at this at this location. And for a typical uh, market that probably sells from uh, 9 to 6 p.m., now they can come out earlier than 9 because they have access to uh, solar power. And they can also close later than 6 p.m. when it's very dark. 
because they have access to electricity that can use to power their service. So, and this translates to more revenue for them. Uh, and so they become more creditworthy because you can see their tra traction. Well, it's, it takes me back to that misconception that if you don't empower these people with the financial assets and the energy assets that they need, they will remain poor. Interesting. Let's discuss big picture for Infi branches, really. I, I'd like to know what your 2021 goals are and where you are today. Okay, so for us, we are hoping to expand our agent network. As of, as of today, we have, <coughs> excuse me, as of today, we have about 20,000 agents across uh, the country, spread across the entire country. And we, we already, like I mentioned earlier, we're already processing over 50 billion in transactions uh, with all the different connections we've done to the SDSOLIUM systems and mini grids uh, with 17 banks uh, working relationship. And so we're looking to take that a bit higher. So we're hoping to be able to expand this to about uh, 40 to 50,000 agents uh, during the course of the year. And at the same time, in doing this, we also be actually creating more jobs for people. And in the next uh, three to four years, we're hoping to take this number to about 200,000 plus agents that will actually be focused on, on, on collecting payments and actually enabling distribution and collection on behalf of service providers. So that's translates to over 200,000 plus jobs. And we are hoping over 200 uh, are geographically uh, distributed. And we also believe that we should be able to power about 10 million of geography population in the next five years. Uh, these are some of the key things we are looking at and be able to connect Africa to the rest of the world. And what's one thing you're most proud of since you started running Infi Branches? Okay, one, one of the things we are very proud of is our foot, footprint in the renewable energy sector. So the impact we've been able to drive within the short period of time, being able to actually solve the payment uh, problem across that value chain mm. is something that we, we, are, we are very proud of. And we are hoping to take that to, we are, we are strategically positioned to do this. So we're working tirelessly to ensure that we're able to take this further, become, uh, we're already the leader in this sector and we, we plan to remain uh, the leader in that. Uh, and uh, the second one is the single point of education that I mentioned okay. earlier. So a typical only branches has just about uh, 20,000 agents. And if you look at the entire agents' uh, networks, uh, in terms of agents in, across Nigeria, we are close to 500,000. So we're able to layer with just single API. That means we can actually power the entire 500,000 agents to actually provide renewable energy services and create this assets and distribution to everybody across the country within a very short uh, period of time. So just, these are very uh, key milestones that we've been able to achieve. And I, I, I also like to touch on the strategic partnership uh, partnerships okay. as well. Uh, it, I think we've not been able to do this on our own. So those are some of the key things that have actually uh, been instrumental to uh, all, the, all, the, all the achievements we've been able to make. Right. So can you just talk a bit more about the strategic partnerships? What are the things you're, you're looking at specifically? Um, what kinds of partners ideal do you consider ideal to work with you in realizing uh, some of these ambitions? Okay. So for so talking about partners, so we're looking at partners that have the same, that we have uh, the same goal in terms of strategy. Uh, at the same time, we have the same passion to empower people within this underserved and uh, rural communities, so to say. Uh, at the same time, we're also looking at working with uh, typical investors uh, who are also interested in solving the same problem we're trying to solve across the payment uh, and distribution 
of services across the world, basically. So we are working with telcos, we are working with banks, we are working with insurance companies, we are working with uh, cable providers, uh, we are working with uh, key players in the renewable energy space, mini grids. We also have work relationship with eight sectors as well. And we also do, we do uh, revenue collection for the government as well. So these are key players. Like I mentioned when I started, we, we, we don't discriminate in terms of who the service provider is. So we are willing to partner with everybody as long as we're able to understand the value they are trying to provide, see that it aligns with what we're trying to do. We can use technology and people to actually help them scale and distribute this across uh, different locations where they are not presently. And for anybody listening, um, to this podcast, if, if the person is perhaps interested in, in, in reaching out to you, how do people contact you? Okay, so so I, I think I'm very visible on, on LinkedIn. Uh, so that's uh, with the name Olushola Oyen uh, at the same time. So you can always shoot me an email at shola at infibranches.com. So shola, S-O-L-A, yes, S-O-L-A at infibranches.com. So infi is I-N-F-I. B-R-A-N-C-H-E-S at .com. Copy that. Okay. And do you have any parting comments you'd like to share with our listeners? Okay. So for me, I think beyond Africa uh, or being able to connect Africa to the rest of the world, we also we strongly believe that the payment industry, payment market is actually very big. We have $760 billion market. And with over about 50% annual growth. And uh, Africa has a very useful population that, that makes up about 60% of, it, of its number today. And the majority of the services that exist today are either uh, card focused or targeted at people that are not in these locations that we are actually focused on. And with this, we, we believe uh, we cannot give 70% of the markets on the serve or unserved. Because they also need to actually enjoy the same value that the thirty uh, percent are, are getting. So, we, for us, uh, we've made making payments for all the services as it as easy as ordering a cup of coffee. And we believe with infi branches uh, and go from being frustrated uh, to enjoying the value that they desire. Um, we cannot also afford uh, a billion of the world's youngest population to stay without access to all of these economic opportunities that they can drive. It's risky for the world at large. And we are committed to improving lives and connecting uh, more Africans to the global economy through the world-class infrastructure that we built so that the world can be safe. And uh, we will keep taking energy and financial access to the last month. Gosh, I love the sound of that. Thank you so much for joining this conversation, Shola. It's been a truly exciting time chatting with you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Abijoke. And you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceofintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.